I don't know about you, but I am always glad when I know that there are people who are praying for me. I need all the prayers that I can get. I, I recognize that there are many times that my parents prayed for me, that my grandparents prayed for me, uh, times when I wasn't even aware that they were lifting to the Lord prayers on my behalf, prayers that are even still being answered today. Uh, knowing my grandmother as I did, I suspect that she was praying for me from the time that I was born and, and probably even before that. I'm sure she prayed for my salvation as she did for all the members of her family. I suspect that she prayed that if God would so will to do so, that he would use me in the ministry. There were several people in her family that were in the ministry, and, and I have several cousins and uncles and other folks who are part of the ministry even today, and I expect that, that her prayers were a big part of that. So, if you don't really like me as pastor of National Heights Baptist Church, when you get to heaven, look up a lady named Ruby Holloway Weaver. She's partly responsible. I think most of us are glad to know when there are people that are praying for us, even non-believers, if you ask them, hey, would you, would you mind if I just pray for you? There are a few that will say no, but for the most part, even those who, who say they don't believe in God will say, okay, sure, I, I don't mind somebody praying for me. Well, guess what? If you know Christ this morning, someone prayed for you. Centuries ago, years before you were born, someone lifted you to the Father, praying specifically for you. This morning, you are covered by nothing less than the prayers of Jesus himself. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at this passage of Scripture here in the 17th chapter of John. It's sometimes described as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. In this prayer, uttered just hours before he was to be arrested, Jesus first prays for himself. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. He prays that he would complete the work that the Father had given him to do. He then prays for the disciples that God would protect them in order that they might bring God's glory. And we looked at those two parts of Jesus' prayer and saw how they applied to us as well. But then something amazing happens. Beginning in verse 20, Jesus prays for you. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now think about this for a minute. As Jesus was facing the agony of the cross, as he was preparing to stand before his accusers as he knew that just hours later he would feel the whip upon his back. He would feel the thorns in his brow. He would feel the nails in his hands and his feet. As he was falsely accused and then executed. Like a criminal. Now, Jesus, knowing that he's about to face all of that, he stops 
and prays for you and me. I think of of all the times that that I knew that I should pray about something, but I put it off. I said, well, I'll pray about that a little bit later, and, and then sometimes forgot all about it. Here Jesus was about to undertake the single most important act in all history. He was preparing to give his life for the sins of all people. And yet, in the midst of that preparation, He has time to pray for us. And and this was no, bless all the people, amen, prayer. Jesus' prayer, for you and me, it extends for six verses. And primarily here, He prays for two things. He prays that we would see the magnitude of the glory of God... And then he prays that we would be unified with him. First he prays that we would understand and see the magnitude of the glory of God. There in verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. And then second, he prays for us to be unified in him. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, why those two things? Of of all the things that he could have prayed for on our behalf, our health, our well-being, our attitude, our joy... The list goes on and on of all the different things that Jesus could have prayed for us. Why did, at this focal point of his ministry, why did Jesus feel like praying for us to see his glory and to be unified in him were the two most important things that he could ask on our behalf? Well, the first one's pretty obvious. If we truly see the glory of Christ... If we really understand what it means that we have a personal relationship with our Creator, if we see Him in all of His wonder, in all of His power, in all of His goodness, in all of His love, in all of His mercy, if we see Him in all of His glory, then all the junk the world tempts us with will look like nothing. For this Memorial Weekend, a lot of folks have a picnic or they go out and they grill something with the family. that They put together a really good meal. Now, when you go and you celebrate with your family and you have this really good meal and you're going down the table and they have a plate of stale bologna and they have a plate of fresh off the grill steak, which one are you going to take? You're going to stab into that slab of steak. You're going to leave that moldy bologna for the ants and the flies. When we understand the glory of our Savior, the meaningless temptations of this world fade into oblivion. And so Jesus prayed that you would see Him in all of His glory. 
Because he knew you were going to be tempted. He knew you would face temptations into sin. He knew you would face temptation to, to be diverted from the task of the kingdom. And he didn't want that for you. He knew how significant you are in the kingdom of God. He knew how important your part is in what God is doing in His kingdom work in the world. And so Jesus prayed that your focus would be on His glory. That we would see Him as He really is. That's the first thing Jesus prayed for you. That's a big one. But He prayed something else too. Why would Jesus, again, when He is facing this enormous task of the cross... Why would he stop and pray that we would be unified? Well, for one thing, Jesus knew what one of Satan's greatest tools would be against the church. It's simple. If Jesus can get Christians squabbling and fighting with each other, then Satan knows they won't be fighting with him. So he stirs up anything he can get his hands on. He gets us fighting about all kinds of things. He gets us fighting about the color of the carpet or the kind of music that we sing, who's going to be in charge, all kinds of things that in the face of eternity don't matter at all. I encourage you, To use the thousand-year test in your life. When when your blood gets to boiling and and, and your your heart's racing and you feel like you just got to give somebody what for. Stop for just a moment and ask this question. In a thousand years, is this really going to matter? When we've all been in heaven for a thousand years... Is anybody going to care about this? And for most of the stuff that we get all wound up about here on earth, the answer to that question is, no, in a thousand years, no one's even going to remember. But what is going to matter? That we are unified in worship to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ thousand years from now, that's the only thing that's going to matter. And so Jesus prayed for you and for me to be unified in Him. In His final hours on earth, this was what was most significant to Him. What was most important to Him. And there's an incredible reality. You get to decide this. You can be the person who seeks to bring about unity among believers. You can be the person that seeks to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. Or... You can be the person that is the reason Jesus prayed this in the first place. That's the incredible thing. We get to choose. Now, we have a lot of choices in life. 
We choose the person we're going to marry. We choose the career we're going to follow. We choose the home where we're going to live. We choose what we're going to have for dinner. Now, some of those choices are very significant. Some of them don't matter all that much. Some of them have tremendous consequences in our life. Some of them don't really have any consequences at all. But we get to make the choice. And this one is a big one. We do not always get to choose the circumstances of our life. Just read the Bible. Noah didn't get to choose that he would be born into a generation so wicked that God would destroy them through a flood. Abraham and Sarah didn't get to choose that they would be childless until their old age. Joseph didn't get to choose whether or not he would be thrown into slavery. Paul didn't get to choose whether or not he'd be thrown into prison. They all faced circumstances that were not of their own choosing, and we will too. We will face problems and issues in our life that we didn't choose to face. Some of them will just be annoying. Some of them will be devastatingly serious. But whatever circumstance we face, there is something we do get to choose. You always get to choose how you will react to the circumstances you face. You get to choose if you're going to be part of the solution or you're going to be part of the problem. Now, before you make your choice, there are some things you need to remember. First and foremost, God is with with you whatever you are going to face. Jesus made a specific promise to you that he would never leave you, nor would he ever forsake you. He has never broken that promise, and he never will. You will never face anything in your life alone when you know Jesus. Ever. So first, you can know that Jesus is always with you, whatever you face. Second, you always have a choice. Now again, you don't always get to choose your circumstances, but you do get to choose how you react to those circumstances. And that is especially true when it comes to the subject of Jesus' prayer. You get to choose whether you're going to build the unity of believers or whether you're going to be a part of the reason why Jesus felt so compelled to pray this prayer in the first place. Jesus knew there were going to be some disagreements among believers. Now, I'm not talking about questions of theology. Now, we, we do have some disagreements in those areas, and, and there are positive ways to work through the, even those disagreements as well. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about questions of faith. But he is talking about questions of taste, custom, style. And sometimes we're going to disagree on those. Sometimes we're going to disagree strongly. And that is exactly what Jesus is praying about here. 
That's what concerned him so much that in the final hours of his life, he stopped and he prayed to the Father, Lord, keep them unified. He'd seen his disciples bickering about some of the most ridiculous things. And he knew all of that quarreling would take them off focus of the kingdom work that desperately had to happen. So he prayed God would keep them focused on the task. The task of sharing the message of Christ. And then he gives the solution in his prayer. He prays that we will be so focused on the glory of Christ that all those meaningless things that sometimes get us all stirred up will fade into the background. We won't be concerned about all those issues when all we can see is the glory and the majesty of Jesus. So we get to choose. Will we be the answer to Jesus' prayer, or will we be the reason he prayed it? (laughs) Listen again to Jesus' prayer for you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We've been talking about, uh, you know, what's your one? What's, what's something that you can do? One thing that you can do to take another step in, in your walk with the Lord. And this is an appropriate week to think about this. On this, this weekend where we, we think about those men and women who set aside their own lives in order to serve our country, who laid down their life so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy, who who thought that their personal rights were less important than making sure that we had our personal rights. On this weekend that we think about that, this is a good weekend to think about this. One thing you can do to take a step forward in in your walk with the Lord is decide, okay, each week I'm going to watch for those decisions that that I make. Now, some of the decisions I make, it's already been decided. It's in God's Word. I'm not talking about things that are matters of faith. I'm not talking about things that are matters of doctrine. That's not what Jesus is describing. Those things, we need to stand firm. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. And we're going to face a lot of other decisions that that don't have anything to do with that. And this this week and each week, you're going to face some decisions where you really think something is is important. You really think that it's vital. Or maybe you just really like it. But, But as you take a moment and look at it, you realize, you know, in a thousand years, this isn't going to matter. So make a decision to take the back seat. (laughs) To say, you know, my way isn't that big of a deal. (laughs) Make a decision not to get your way. 
and make it because you choose to be an answer to Jesus' prayer that we would be unified for His glory. Heavenly Father, help us. This is a difficult thing because we have ingrained in our human nature the desire to get our way. But Lord, for so many things, it just doesn't matter. Especially in the face of eternity, Lord. There's so many things that that we worry about, that we get concerned about, that a thousand years from now just aren't going to make any difference at all. So, So help us to discern that, Lord. There are some things that do matter. That you and you alone are God. That matters. But the only way to salvation is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That matters. But there's a lot of other stuff, Lord, that it just doesn't matter. Help us to see the difference, Lord. And help us to make a choice. On this weekend that we celebrate those who made a choice to to lay down their life for us, Lord, help us to make a choice to set aside our opinions that don't really make all that much difference. Let's choose to be an answer to your prayer. That we would focus on your glory and set aside our differences. That we might move forward for Christ. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.